So Romans chapter 8, and we're starting at verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life, give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Thank you, Rita. Thanks, Luke. I think um, we would all agree that Brandon's uh, profession of faith uh, was a powerful message uh, in and of itself. And uh, see potential pastor written right there. <laughs> but no, it was good, isn't it? Um, and I think also as we celebrate um, the Lord's Supper together, that continues to be a proclamation of God's word to us. Um, so since you've been preached to already a lot, I'm going to hopefully keep you short. <laughs> there we go. Um, I think... It was a powerful thing to be able to participate in the Lord's Supper today as well uh, as we're reminded through this, particularly in a very practical and physical way, uh, of our new identity in Christ. Uh, It's a powerful picture of our loving God, our loving Father, uh, that would want to do that with us, to gather us around and eat a meal with us, to fellowship with us, um, to delight in us as he does it he delights in celebrating this supper with you because you're his beautiful (laughs) adored sons and daughters think of that picture of that perfect father that loves to eat and enjoy fellowship with his kids We think of a loving son who was willing to lay down his life so that his brothers and sisters can join him at the table. We celebrate a future reality where we'll do that in perfection with him forever, (laughs) one day. We think about a loving Holy Spirit who comes and lives within us, who comes... As I prayed earlier, he meets in this student centre in Scoresby (laughs) with 150-odd people on a Sunday morning. The living God comes and lives here and dwells here and wants to be here and celebrate and eat and drink with you. It's an amazing picture of God. 
So uh, just through a few things that I want to say out of this passage, just want to encourage Brandon particularly, but all of us together as we continue this journey in following Christ, um, that we have some... Um, I've wrestled with what uh, title to call this uh, sermon. I think I'm, I'm calling it Trinitarian Discipleship. I think I've got a slide. Have I got a slide on that? Yeah, Trinitarian Discipleship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I thought it was Holy Spirit first, but then as I read the passage, it's actually much broader than just the Spirit. It's the Father and the Son that engages uh, with this as well. And I think it's uh, a beautiful orchestration by God that it's Brandon's birthday today, isn't it? It's just a picture, isn't it? It's a picture, the Bible gives us this picture of a new birth, of a birthday, a spiritual birthday, that you now have a new life in Christ, a new beginning, a life that was different, or that is different than it used to be, one that is now filled with the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. And uh, if we go to the next slide, there's this little picture that I found uh, this week. Um, and it says, I see a little more of me in you with each passing year. And then it says, happy birthday, son, which you can't read. Oh, yeah, you can on that side. And I think this is the beautiful picture that we get represented in just the family dynamic. But it's a picture that the Bible gives us of what God is doing with us. That as a loving father, he holds us in his arms and he says, I want to make you like me. I want to make you like Jesus because Jesus was the exact representation of God. <laughs> I want you to uh, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm committing to doing. And that's why I want to call this sort of Trinitarian discipleship because the discipleship that Brandon's been experiencing um, already in, through his family, in some ways is sort of notched up with this reality <laughs> that he actually has a heavenly father and a heavenly brother uh, and a heavenly spirit <laughs> that is committed to disciple him. And they want to see him become more and more like Christ. We see him become the follower of Christ uh, that God wants of us. And that's why I chose uh, Romans 8, which talks in there, uh, I don't know if you picked it up, this beautiful phrase of you now have a spirit of sonship or a spirit of daughtership. That's your new identity. And that uh, by that spirit, by that reality pressed into our hearts, we can now cry, Abba, Father. I think I said this a few weeks ago. I heard a sermon, uh, of course, it's a Tim Keller sermon, um, and he um, just deepens that word Abba. Uh, we often think it means dad. Uh, he just takes it a little bit further, and he says it's a, it's a word that says dada. So it's, it's, it's sort of almost infant type thing, and it, the picture he gives is um, you know, a, a toddler embracing the neck of his father, and say, Dada. That's the intimacy of the relationship that God wants with you. And God has given uh, Brandon and us through Christ. 
that this loving father, and you think of that image, think of that image, that loving father protecting and enjoying and providing for his kids. And it even says in there, those words, uh, your, you, your old identity is, is no longer there. You're no longer a slave to fear. You're no longer a slave to sin, but you have a new identity. And that identity is a child in the arms of a loving father. And Jesus said, or Paul says about Jesus, that while we were still sinners, that love came through and Christ died for us and enabled that to happen. And so I want us to think and be reminded that as we take steps in following Jesus, that we don't just have our family unit or our church family or extended family, but we have a heavenly Father who has promised to continue to disciple you. And he primarily does that through his Spirit. And that spirit uh, is often referred to as the spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit is Christ's spirit. It's the idea of Jesus in you. You have Jesus in you who's going to continue to disciple you. That's a pretty cool thing. You've got a brother Jesus that's going to walk with you and live within you and teach you how to follow him. An older brother that promises. You haven't got an older brother. What do you do now? an older brother that promises to show you how to follow the Father, how to live with him. And that spirit's in you. And that spirit, the Bible tells us, is at work in us, conforming us to the image of Christ. That spirit is at work in you, making you more like Jesus. When you think you can't do it, he's at work doing it. And in the ups and downs and in the brokenness and the mess of life, he is working all things for the good of those who love him. He's working those things to display himself through Brandon's life so that Brandon, even through those ups and downs, becomes more like Jesus as the Spirit works in him. And as I said earlier, remember that Jesus is the exact representation of his Father. And so we're becoming more like our Heavenly Father as the Spirit works within us. And he has committed to seeing you continue to grow as his child. And that he gives us his spirit, the spirit of Christ, to keep us moving in following Christ. And so in Romans 8, we now have this new life. I like how it started, this new life that is life by the spirit. A day-by-day -day spiritual discipleship, a supernatural discipleship that happens in our hearts and uh, i don't know if you remember when jesus is about to leave his disciples in the chapters john chapter 13 to 17 great picture of um, of jesus discipling people he disciples um, he, he spends his last few hours with the disciples and in that place in those chapters uh, he does something similar to what Paul's doing here. He reminds the disciples about what's about to happen. And he says, as I'm going, I don't know if you remember these words in there, as he's teaching them about the Spirit. He said, I'm going back to my Father, but I am not going to leave you as orphans. That's the words that Jesus used. I won't leave you as orphans, because there is one coming who's going to uh, live within you. 
and he's going to connect you to me and me to my father. And remember those, those words? He said, as my father and I are one, so you and my father will be one. The father in you and me in you, together, united in this place through my Holy Spirit. And, remind, and remember, if you can remember those words that Jesus uh, brings in, that, in those chapters, and maybe it's worth having a read through them this week, that the role of the Spirit in that place, the role of Christ in them, was to remind them of what Jesus had said and done. He said, the Spirit will come and remind you of what Jesus said and did. So that particularly becomes an important discipleship tool when we're suffering in sin and we're, we're caught up in the web and entanglement of sin, isn't it? As Brendan Brandon testified in his profession of faith. And so in that reality, the Holy Spirit starts to work in his heart and he reminds him of his loving father and his new identity. It's not the old identity anymore. <laughs> He's got a new identity as a beautiful and dearly loved child the loving God. And that's what the Spirit does within us. And remember Jesus said uh, that as my Spirit um, comes in you, um, he says, do not be afraid. Don't be a fear anymore. Don't be living in fear anymore. You're now given a life of freedom, reflected in Romans 8 as well, that there is now a new freedom for you. Because the old has passed away and the new has come. So do not be troubled. That's what Jesus says to his disciples. Do not be afraid. And he even prays. Remember the prayer in John 17. He says, Father, protect them in this world. As a loving father, he says, I want you to protect them because they, they're going to still live in this world and this world is still affected by Satan and sin. They need you. And this spirit that comes in there, Jesus, as he reveals that in there, he says, this is a spirit that will guide you. He is a counselor. And that idea of a counselor is someone who walks beside you, arm around you and walks beside you to whatever comes uh, your way in life. He is the guide. He will show you, uh, Jesus says, he will show you things to come. He will give you prophetic images of the, of the future or, or of your reality, reminding you of who he is. And who you are because of him. And as we come back to Romans 8, remember how Romans 8 begins. <laughs> remember this, and this is what the Spirit reminds you uh, again this morning, that there is no condemnation in Christ. That in Christ, you don't have a condemning father. You don't have a father that's condemning you to your sin. No, you have a, a father that's saying, I forgive you. I love you. Come, wrap your arms around me. But we remember that in John 14, when Jesus says, when the Spirit comes, he will do something. And in John 14, this is what he says, the Spirit will come and he will convict you of sin. Hmm, how does that work? But then the line straight after that is that the Spirit will also convict you of righteousness. And that's where we have the paradox of the gospel, isn't it? That when we confronted with Jesus and who he is, we recognize, and as Brandon said, I did not live the way he wanted me to. I immersed myself in the world and all that was going on in it. And yet, 
the Spirit came and convicted him that wasn't the way to live. And that was sinfulness and brokenness. And then the Spirit comes in and convicts him of righteousness. <laughs> that Brandon, no, even though you were like that, you are now right with God. There is nothing that separates you from your Heavenly Father. And the Spirit convicts us of that and reminds us of the truth of it. So that we are no longer slaves to fear or sin, but we know our identities of the sons and daughters of the living King, the one who provides ultimate protection and provision. And I, I don't know if you are familiar with Romans, but Romans chapter 7 has been uh, one of the chapters that has just resonated in my head. Romans chapter 7 is the one um, where Paul talks about that we're still in this battle, this battle with Satan, the world, and the old self. And it's the chapter where he, uh, Paul says, you know, the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing, and the things I should do, I don't do. And he says, what a wretched man I am. That's how chapter 7 finishes. It's followed straight after by chapter 8, which says, but there's no condemnation in Christ. And this battle, until Jesus comes, comes again, is still very real. It's still what we're experiencing uh, as we're in this world. But the battle that we now fight as followers of Christ is a very different battle than what we used to fight. Uh, and this is another Tim Keller... <laughs> Uh, example. He says that in Romans 7, the, the difference is that before you had Christ in your life, without Christ in your life, you fight a battle that you cannot win. We know that. We have sin in our life that we try and stop and we can't stop it and it just keeps on going. We just, and, we fight, and we realize, and most people in the world realize, we can't be good enough. We can't do it. And we fight as losers. And that's demoralizing, it becomes a burden, and it's not a picture of the gospel. <laughs> but then comes Christ, who comes with the good news, the gospel, uh, is that you still have this battle, but you fight this battle in a very different way now. You fight this battle now as one that you cannot lose. Because in Christ, he has dealt with Satan, the world, and the old self, and you now have a new identity that is perfect in Christ and that you have uh, a heavenly uh, relationship with your Father that, that nothing can separate you from that. And so now you fight the battle <laughs> as one that you cannot lose, even though the battle's still there. You think, how does this work? Yesterday... I murdered someone and I committed adultery. Sorry, Colin, you didn't know. <laughs> but I'm serious. Because remember in Matthew 6, Jesus says that if you think hatred towards someone, it's like you murdered someone. Well, I did that yesterday. Remember when Jesus in Matthew 6 said that if you look at a woman lustfully, it's like you've committed adultery. Well, I did that yesterday. During the night, the Holy Spirit interacted with me and convicted me of my sin. And that as I 
interacted, and even as I was thinking and writing this sermon, I was reminded of the truth. That I now fight this battle as one in Christ, so that he took the punishment for those sins, so that I am washed clean, and I am now right with my Father. And as I head into this day again, I say, thanks God, thanks be to God, glory to you. I now want to live like Jesus. Holy Spirit, come upon with me with power and help me to resist that. Help me to fight against that. Remind me of the truth of how I'm supposed to live. That the Holy Spirit reminds me of Jesus' uh, life, death, resurrection and ascension. And just quickly on those things. Jesus' life, where do we get the righteousness that makes us right with God? Where do we get that from? We get it from Jesus, who perfectly lived out the law. He perfectly followed, Jesus, uh, followed God, did everything that his father required. He perfectly did that. And so he met the righteous requirements of the law, and he said, here you are. He now gives it to anyone who believes. And so I'm right with God. I'm perfectly right with God. He doesn't even remember that stuff that I just told you, <laughs> or he chooses to not remember. And then his death as we just celebrated, I'm reminded that his punishment, you know, the punishment for those sins was put on Jesus. He died my death so that I don't have to die. His resurrection, as he rose from the grave, he defeated death, he showed he was God, uh, how, um, that he was God, and he brought about new life, a new identity for me, a life to li be lived to the full empowered by his spirit and as he ascended to heaven at the right hand of the father as he intercedes and he rules over everything he overcame the power of evil and he says i give that to you and so i can stand and resist satan his demons because last night in those sin I, 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 I suspect actually i suspect if i look back over this last week there's been a bit of satanic work there. And I was just reminded, actually, I, I can stand against that. And actually, last night while I was praying, I just did that. I said, <laughs> I said, rack off. Because I can do that in Christ. Because Satan has no authority over me, as he was planting all sorts of evil thoughts in my head. They said, rack off. That's not who I am. I have a victory. I stand in Christ against that. Because I, I, I thought to myself, how did that come about? I, it wasn't because of my practice. I think it was a supernatural reality of God's spirit within me, reminding me of who Jesus is and who I am because of him. And so as we think about our fr the freedom that we have from that, as we think about our spirit of sonship, as we are co-heirs with Christ, we think of that heavenly perspective. And I haven't got time, but I'd love to you know, explore it. Think about the fruits of the spirit that I go on about all the time, that God is producing those in me. And I think about the, fruit, uh, the gifts of the spirit, the gifts that the spirit gives to us so that we can disciple each other. And I'm looking forward to seeing Brandon use his gifts to, be, to begin to disciple us as his spirit works through Brandon as we uh, interact together in that.
And so God disciples us through our families that we've talked about, but also uh, through his spirit. And so what's our action at the end of this? What's our action? And I went through sort of Romans 8. What's the, what does it actually ask us to do? And uh, it just basically says, just set your minds on it. Keep thinking it. Keep believing it. So repent, which means turn back from the old way of thinking and just, re- just believe, repent and believe. Believe this is true. So set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Think about when uh, the terms in the Bible about the Holy Spirit. It says, now I want you to live according to the new self. You've put to death the old self, live with the new self. I want you to keep in step now with the Spirit. Are you listening for His voice and acting uh, on His word that is revealed in us? Keep on asking for the Holy Spirit. Remember... um, Jesus, when he talks about his, his loving father, and he says, um, he talks about earthly fathers. I'll, I'll talk about that later. But he says, keep asking for the Holy Spirit. Turn away from it. Believe this to be true, and then celebrate it in worship and live life to the full. So Holy Spirit, help me to live my life in freedom and joy as you've called me to. Help me to stand with you, to walk with you. Cling to your father's neck as you do it. And so as you leave here today, be reminded of who you are. As this passage finishes, that you are co-heirs with Christ. You are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. God is within you through Christ. And at the end of this passage, it's interesting, as he say? He says that you will be um, united in Christ, but you will be suffering with that and then there will be glory and it means that there will be suffering we still have to fight against satan we still have to fight against sin to follow jesus in this world will mean that we will be persecuted but he says what does he say at the end (laughs) remember that that suffering has no comparison to the glory that you will have when Jesus returns, to the glory that you have. And he, he gives them uh, this picture of hope. And I believe that's what the Spirit does in us. He reminds us of our heavenly reality so that we can endure the pain. So that in the pain we can glorify him. And again this week, and I say it time and time again, I often see God most glorified when people are going through pain and suffering. There's something about the reality of God that comes true and alive in that place. And that as they experience that, <laughs> now we're, I just was thinking of someone this week that was just going through some horrible stuff. And yet, a smile to their face and a spring in their step to go <laughs> the next step. And their life came to the full in the midst of their pain and their suffering as I believe that a supernatural thing happened as they remembered who, the, who God was and who, were the, who they were because of it. And they could go on and they could take the next few steps. So as we wrap up, it wasn't as short as I thought it was going to be, so <laughs> we're nearly there. Uh, response. This is the response. So I'm reminded, and I was convicted of the words in Luke 11 
where Jesus is teaching his disciples and he teaches us and he compares earthly fathers to his heavenly father. Remember that? He said, who of you, you know, is an earthly father, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? Um, and then there's this line. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's what he asks. Holy Spirit, come upon me and make me more like Christ. Remind me of this truth. 